Peace, love, knowledge, and freedom, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Just Seen Podcast, specifically So Frail Conversations. And as you've seen from the title, we're talking about criminal minds. And I want to talk about this episode because we typically go through the, we typically speak about the school to prison pipeline. And, you know, I mentioned it in So Frail too as well. But I really want to sit and take a moment to talk about what that prison school to prison pipeline leads to. Because um, when we analyze the prison system, right, we make up a disproportionate amount of motherfuckers in there as far as percentage wise. But one thing that I noticed that we don't really do is we don't talk about the crimes themselves as a whole. And we also, and not only not talking about the crimes themselves as a whole, we also don't look at the crimes in a in a in a way in which we can actually dissect them and break them down. Um, well, we do look at two of them, but one of them we kind of overlook and we kind of shun it as you know this isn't normal. You know, this isn't something that we want to you know associate with. You know, we associate with two of the other ones, but one of them we want to, the, the one that impacts us the most as a culture is the one that we need to focus on the most, but it's also the one that's the most taboo and we, it's the one that we want to stay away from, right? So when we consider the criminal mind, like most, most motherfuckers, most of us that go to jail, you know what I mean? Most black men that go to jail, we go to jail for one of three things. Now, granted, you have other shit outside of that but it's one of three things and then when you look at also too a lot of the catalyst of what fuels it and what largely makes it happen makes it more of a reality we can also look at the what's infused within our music you know what i'm saying like what's infused within our music was our what our culture is largely based upon and all of the other sick shit but i feel like these three points are among the most important that we need to address because we only address two as ways of preventative measures, but one of them, like I said, we overlook. And those three methods, those three ways, and those three lines of the criminal mind, from my perspective and in my opinion, are drugs, murder, and sex, right? Those are the three crimes that we're likely to be exposed to. Those are the three crimes that we're likely to exhibit at some point in our lives uh, based off of, you know, the way the system is, is designed and set up. You feel me? To put crack in the communities, um, even before crack, like, you feel me? Like, we've been trappers, been selling drugs and shit, like, because when you take, when you deprive somebody of their livelihood to create jobs and to create businesses for themselves, then they're going to find a way to, you know what I mean? And when you can create this system, you can create the way in which you fill the prisons that you need to fill. So, like I said, we have drugs, drug crimes, um, we have murders, of course, and those are murders and violent crimes. And then you have sex crimes. A lot of these are largely predicated upon the motherfucker that we, um, it's a certain design that we have within ourselves that is catapulted into a different perspective. You feel me? And it's catapulted into that different perspective based off of our environment, based off of the culture, based off of so many different imprints that are going to, you know, make the criminal mind a reality, you know, and it sucks because like I said, it's, it's a design that is happening, but it's a design we can approach and we can adjust, but it's like, we only focus on two. 
We only focus on two. We only focus on the drug crimes and we only focus on the the uh, the violent crimes. But we rarely, rarely, rarely look at the sex crimes as the at the core. You feel me? Once a motherfucker commits a sex crime, it's like, that's it. You feel me? Now, this is not to say give any nigga a pass, give any motherfucking body a pass for committing sex crimes. You feel me? Because we do understand, though, too, that some sex crimes were not crimes themselves, but they were situations in which the crime was made based off of the circumstance. And I break down what I mean, just as circumstances create the reality for the crime to be exhibited. Right. We'll go deep into that. But I wanted to touch on this because it's like, one, I never had a conversation about this. And for two, I feel like when I studied criminal justice, like the, the purpose of the prison system, the purpose of the penal system was or the penal system, not penal, but the penal system was to um, <laughs> was for rehabilitation as it was supposed to be you know, written. But it doesn't rehabilitate. It doesn't change. It actually worsens in many ways. You feel me? The the drug criminals, the usually largely the drug criminals, they get out, they repeat the same process. Drug criminals, they can't really get worse within the environment they're supposed to be rehabbing. But often the the violent crimes and the sexual crimes do happen to get worse once they're in the prison system because it's, you know, I feel like it's by design. So the motherfucker can, you know what I mean? They can do it again. But then again, at the same time, the heavy violent crimes and the heavy uh, sexual crimes, you don't come back from. You don't come back from. And when I just look at the things that my peers and the people around me were largely charged for, it was one of those things in some way, shape or form. You feel what I'm saying? So I feel like if we're going to be talking about a school to prison pipeline, we need to address the aftermath of the pipeline and everything in between and what the actual pipeline is going to lead to. We talk about the pipeline in a general way, but we don't know how to attack it because we don't know which veins are being or which lanes are being uh, developed within this pipeline. So before I dive heavy into that, though, be sure to follow me on Instagram or underscore just underscore seen underscore. Be sure to check out my website. I am just to get all things that are just seen to all those who tip donate and sponsor the podcast. You are greatly appreciated to all those who would like to tip donate and sponsor the podcast. You can do so by clicking the link in the description of the podcast, not this episode, but the podcast itself. And as always, cash app and PayPal are just fine. And that's that for this. And that's this for that. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into So Frail Conversations, The Criminal Mind. And don't forget to visit IamJustSeen.com. There, you can get all things Just Seen. You want to add the So Frail series to your library? Visit IamJustSeen.com. You want to learn how to master the markets for serious trading and investing? Visit IamJustSeen.com. You want to get your hands on some exclusive merch like tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, hats, bags? Visit IamJustSeen.com. Are you thinking about transitioning into the plant-based lifestyle? Visit IamJustSeen.com. You ever want to just chat with Seen about anything from simple advice to mentorship? Visit IamJustSeen.com. Anything and everything that is me, you can find at IamJustSeen.com. So take a quick peek into my world to see why being just seen is nothing less but always more. Because you never really know what you need until you see it. And you will never see it unless you visit IamJustSeen.com. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. And without further ado, let's dive heavy into this. So, um... When we consider the school to prison pipeline, 
right? It's like, well, if it's a school to prison pipeline, how do how do we get to where it it evolves into you know developing the criminal in a way that it's going to be either somebody who's you know going to be a violent offender, which is you know the ultimate is murder, you know a drug offender, you know trapping, selling, you know weed, heroin, opioids, pills, uh, crack, cocaine, like, um, or sexual offender, you know, um, highest form of that is rape. We understand that. Um, we don't address <clears throat> we don't address the sexual offender side much. You feel me? We spend more time on, oh, if he was a drug dealer, oh, you can get a job, you can do this. And, you know, a lot of times we know that's not the case. A lot of times motherfuckers get into selling drugs because it's easy, it's convenient, it's quick money. And it's a way in which, you know, when when the job systems aren't working, when I already got one strike or whatever the case may be now, yeah, I got to maneuver. I got to, you know, I got to I got I to eat. At the end of the day, motherfuckers got to eat. So, you know, everybody likes selling drugs is a choice. Yes, selling drugs is a choice. It's a constant choice. But even deeper than that, it's not really a choice. It's an option. It's an available option. You feel me? Because if there was a choice, then a job can easily be made. But then people wait until it's too late to start. Oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be in a business. I want to do these things. And, you know, at a time, it was, it was, there was things that were largely uh, hindering from getting good jobs. And I, I'm never going to, you know, I talk shit a little bit, but I under, still understand why there was a generation of men who say, oh, the, the white man won't let me have anything. Or there's a group of uh, a pocket of people who saying, you know, I can't find a job to stand there. Some don't look, but it is what it is. And they ultimately turn to the alternative of selling drugs, whether some of them be selling weed, some of them like this was by design. You feel me? This was by design. We can in one breath talk about the crack epidemic you know what I'm saying? And then how they flooded the streets with crack and stuff to kill us off. And then we flipped it and started selling it. Once we started selling it, that's when the problem came in. Because the original reality was you drop the crack in the hood and, you know, they'll smoke and they'll kill themselves off. But then it was like, they're selling it. And they're becoming entrepreneurs with it. And they're becoming very, very wealthy people. And not only that, they're putting other people on in the communities, but ultimately, the 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 war the the drugs you know what I'm saying they got a war on drugs so the police could bother me you know what I'm saying it became a war on drugs and you drop the drugs in a place where you wanted to have the war you feel what I'm saying there's no war for the opioid crisis there's no war for the methadone like methadone shit like there's no war for the for that that has actual peace there's no war in that so there's only war on the drugs that affect black people. You feel what I'm saying? Whether it be the marijuanas and and the cocaines and the cracks and shit, that's why crack carried a higher minimum than anything. You know, and once you got arrested and shit, that's it. You're a felon, and from there, that's it. The game's over for you. You have no choice but to continue selling drugs. Simple, simple, because you can't get business loans because you can't do certain things because they're not going to. You know what I'm saying? A felon, a felon carries it. It defines you. After a while, it becomes to def- a moment to define you. And our drug charges and stuff, they're largely not violent. They're largely not. Um, they're offenses that usually are developed. In my, in my personal perspective, I feel like it was like a one-on-one thing. Because when we look at Reaganomics, right? You know, yeah, we know Nixon declared a war on drugs, but it was Reagan motherfucking ass who actually 
he enforced the shit. It was under his administration when, you know, saying a boom happened. But then we have Ronald Reagan putting the drugs into the community. And then you have his wife daring us to take drugs. You feel me? And I get it. It was so subtle, but a lot of times you got to pay attention to how words work and you got to understand the understanding intentions of how these motherfuckers move. So like, yeah, it was drug abuse, resistance, education, but why would you call it dare? I dare you to, whether you telling them I dare you to stay away from drugs, or I tell you that you like, it was a dare. You don't dare children. Like, come on. Like, come on, bro. It's all psychological. You feel me? And it's not me trying to be on a work rhetoric type shit. Literally, of all of the things that they could use. Drug abuse, resistance education. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it just like, and then they teach it when you're in the fifth grade or whatever the case may be, just before you get to middle school. And they tell you, and and if they really wanted to prevent this from us, it's like, they would have never gave us the information in the first place. In the fifth grade, we learn what marijuana is. We learn what class the drugs are. We learn all of the shit that they do. Like, if you get busted for it, like, you know what it is. You know why? Because we already put it in the communities that we wanted to be in. You feel me? What are some of the nicknames? Like, we knew the nicknames, you know. It was like, you know, crank, spank, uh, fucking marijuana, chronic weed, uh, reefer. They told us all of the fucking names. Crack, cocaine, powder, snow. Like, they told us all of these fucking names in the fifth fucking grade. Like, that wasn't by design, that wasn't by accident. And then the whole motto, just say no. You can't say no when it's peer pressure involved because you're going to keep pressuring it. But what's worse is that the peer pressure is coming from fucking adults. You dig what I'm saying? It's not our peers that actually pressured us to do drugs. You feel me? And motherfuckers are like, yo, I take a stand. When dare happened, everybody I know that passed dare, that made it through dare, they did drugs. They tried drugs at one point in their life. I don't give not near a fuck about what, oh, I did not. You you may be the small sliver of the 1%, but everybody's tried it or dabble with it or experienced it in some way, shape, or form. Starting from the fifth grade. You feel me? So they kind of, you know, set the tone for that. So now, simultaneously, now, we got to look at our culture. So simultaneously with the implementation of, you know, the dare, the dare shit. And then when we look at the music, the music was largely promoting selling of drugs. So now you're teaching me, like, look at their community. See, so their community is different because they can take dare and they don't have a system already designed to where they're constantly hearing the names of these drugs. They're not constantly hearing what the drug is. A lot of those motherfuckers in their communities, they're not, were not exposed to the drug game or exposed to the life at a young age, they experienced there and say, they was easy to say, hey, I cannot, I can avoid this. But they bridged the gap for us. They bridged the gap for us. You feel what I'm saying? Because you got to think about it. The three strike rule um, that, you know, the Biden administration, <laughs> Biden administration, Clinton administration, Reaganomics, Bush, all of these motherfuckers, they kept doing the, they set the systems up to where it's like, okay, we can get these motherfuckers in prison. Right. Then the music changed. The music industry changed. They completely controlled the music and they only started pumping drug dealing music. You feel me? Drug dealing music or drug using music and shit. Pac said it the best. I was listening to one of his interviews. He said, when they don't let you talk about what you want to talk about, all you can talk about is partying and fucking and bullshit. Partying, fucking and bullshit. Now, when you put that shit over music, they understood how powerful we were based off of the drum, based off of music 
back in slavery. That's why yo, y'all can't be singing. Y'all can't be using a drum because y'all can make codes and shit to get yourselves to do what y'all need to do. Start the Kundalini up. So what we're going to do is we're going to start your Kundalini up, open your spirit up, and we're going to put the words into your spirit to make your bodies and your make the being react how we need it to react. You dig what I'm saying? So when we're considering that and we're putting that all on perspective, all on front street, we're simultaneously going through the dare program to quote unquote, just say no. Like this is what I'm saying. Like the husband and wife, really that's a house divided. Come on, bro. Like you have one actually having the war on drugs and one being the just say no, just say no. So now they implemented dare programs and all these other things. And so while we're learning these the terminology for dare. We're learning from sheriff. Like the, the police are coming in to get a. It's it's all by design. The police are coming in. The very police that are in the quote unquote police in our communities. They're coming in. They're getting a glimpse of us. You know what I'm saying? Oh, this person. Let's see who's taking the interest in the drugs. Or who's like? We can watch it. Get familiar with these faces early. <laughs> you feel me? Start learning their names. Start learning who they are. Start watching who they see if we can find out who their family is. Get a rise out of them because now it's like when you're listening to this quote unquote drug dealing music and you already know the names and the terminologies of the drugs, it makes the bridge happen. The portal to accepting information comes quicker when you understand the words that are being said. You ever been in a situation where you're reading a book, but you don't have the vocabulary of the book or you don't have the lexicon for what the book is, uh, the book represents? And what happens with you when you're trying to read that book thoroughly? You feel what I'm saying? You'll skip out on parts. If you don't know the word, the, the gaps will be filled and you will draw blanks and you will draw deficits and pieces and pieces won't connect. Right. But these pieces are connected when I'm hearing this drug music. And now I know the terminology for drugs. I know all of the realities that drugs and I'm only 10 years old, 10 or 11 years old. Because I'm in the fifth grade and that's that's when I'm learning this. You feel me? This is all psych psychologically designed. This is all systematically designed. You feel me? So that creates that lane of the school to prison pipeline. It starts there. You feel me? It starts there. And growing up in the community where it's like our culture becomes drug infested. Like, you know what I'm saying? We are. And I remember Tyler Perry said, um, it was in one of his uh, skits, one of the earlier ones when he was, you know, making kind of good ones. You feel me? He was like, he was playing, I think it was Daddy Charles, and he was like, um, all black people know at least one crackhead, and all black people got a cousin named Peaches. Um, or uncle named Peaches or some shit like that. Now, it wasn't for the uncle named Peaches part, I'm just saying that because those two, that line was in the same part of the movie. But he was like, All black people know at least one crackhead. By that logic, all black people are exposed to drugs at least one point in their life, and no matter what it is, when you it's like we all know a crackhead. In some way, shape, or form, right? How do we all know a crackhead? Like we 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 don't have access to the cocaine. We don't have access to the to the borders to have a ship from Colombia and all of that stuff. Like how do how do we all manage to find have the aftermath of all knowing a crackhead and being exposed to this drug life if it wasn't by design? You feel me? Because that's the way it was supposed to be. It was a way to design. It was a design to, to destroy the whole community. And it's like, okay, if some slip through the cracks and decide, okay, we're not going to smoke it. We're going to sell it. You feel me? Because they started making things like the 10 crack commandments and shit like that. Like, come on, bro. Like this music was, it was potent. It was put in there for a reason. And then you have a whole era of drug dealing music.
You feel me? Jeezy led the shit. But it was even before Jeezy because, you know, you had that early 90s era, era from the chronic and shit like that, what they changed. And it was a lot of, that was a lot of gang culture. So segueing out of the gang code, out of the drug life, you know what I'm saying? We got to look at the whole epidemic of gang culture. Gang culture embodies all three of the, gang culture, if you read So Frail One, gang culture is barbarism mixed with self-hatred, Right? Barbarism is about conquering, pillaging, and plundering, right? So when we look at barbarism as a whole, it encompasses the other two aspects and other two dynamics of that lead down to prison life. Um, violence, which is the violent crimes leading to murder and shit like that. And then the sexual crimes, rape, pillaging, like, you feel me? And from, from that entire little cocktail... You feel me? When they started with the the NWAs and the the Dr. Dre's and shit like that, like they were, I want to be gangsters. I want to be gangsters. Like yo, let's create gangsters because when you create the gangster mentality within this entire culture, you feel me? Everybody wants to be a gangster, right? It's 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 you know we glorified a, a reality and we made it look cool that really wasn't. It, it's 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 bad. It's fucking horrible. It's fucking horrible. But, you know, it started off, all of them started off with supposed camaraderie. But where did it die? And it was like, it became a a, a deeper, a deeper reality. So now, like I said, we had a war on drugs, creates the crack. He puts the crack in, you know, but we always had drug dealers, the pusher man, Curtis Mayfield and shit like that. Like people think T.I. is the father of trap music. No, no, nigga. no. Curtis Mayfield was the the original motherfucker because we had to be telling these stories. We had the Frank Lucases. We had the Nikki Barnes. We have these people that were selling drugs for a long time. You feel me? But they could never really do anything to it because it was like it wasn't that the crime and the, the it wasn't that devastating. You feel me? It wasn't that. So they weren't they were amassing this money under the radar, right? And they couldn't really monitor it and shit like that. But this has always been a vein of the things that we you know, we've been aligned with. We knew that, you know, Black Wall Street got shut down, all these different things. We knew that we can only take on a criminal like because when we do it legit, they come and they destroy our shit. You feel me? But when we do it from the underground, yeah, we can run the risk of getting caught, but they got to catch us. You feel me? They got to catch us first. Right. So then within that, you create a realm where you got to protect yours. We're in a military state. America's a military state. It is, it is, it's a military base. Like there's no, like they'll put more money into the military than they will to the education of motherfuckers. <laughs> it's weird. We got a whole education lottery that doesn't go to education. <laughs> Shit don't make no fucking sense, bro. It don't make no fucking sense. But anywho, it's built off of military state. So by default, we, we on some violent shit. It's like America, if I'm not mistaken, is like almost 250 years old. And of that, like 245 years have been at war. Whether internally within itself or abroad, like America has been at war for damn for nearly 90% of its inception. So violence is what violence is American. Violence is American largely because violence is Caucasian, but we're not going to get too heavy in that. But when you assimilate into that culture and shit, you start to internalize 
a lot of this behavior. A lot of people think that black people are just inherently violent and shit. Like, nah, like, a lot of motherfuckers were very passive and docile from the civil rights movement. It wasn't until integration actually happened where we started to develop their ideologies a lot more that we became more violent. So now when you have self-hatred with the violence that you're internalizing from a culture that's already violent, you get you develop the barbarism, gang culture. Gang culture. You feel me? I watched the Tookie Williams movie or whatever um, with Jamie Foxx and the gave the background of it. And it was saying that, you know, he ultimately, I don't know the story because I'm not, in that i'm just telling what i saw in the movie and it was like the blood shot first or whatever the case may be but crips started to protect themselves based off of how to police the police brutality and shit like that i mean even look at the acronym crips is community revolution and progress you know what i'm saying like <laughs> that's gone that acronym don't even it don't even that it don't even stand on that anymore and bloods were just in response to that. And they would end up beefing with each other more. So some people say it was because of agents and the police putting them against each other and shit like that. But the police ain't had shit to do with it. When you already have that internalized self-hatred and you're developing yourself into a violent being, when you're being catalyzed into more of a violent state, you're going to do violent shit. You're going to become barbaric and then you can kill what looks like you ruthlessly without even a second thought. You know what I'm saying? And that's where our violence side becomes in because now... In that, we're raising our sons at a much younger age. So when we look at the drug pipeline, school to prison pipeline on RIP, they already planted to see, okay, we're going to teach you about drugs early. Now we're going to infuse your music. All your music is saying drugs, this drugs, that drugs, this drugs, that. Bam, you got that lane, right? Now we're going to bring it back a little bit quicker. Like we in a culture that's, that starts us all violent as men. You feel me? Like, we learn how to fight, fight before we learn how to read, read. It's crazy. You feel what I'm saying? Like, be tough, be a boy. Like, you know what I'm saying? We think shit like that is playtime. And here's where it gets crazy because when you teach fight, fight, and the little kid thinks that it's a good moment, a good time, they don't know. They can't differentiate between playtime and, and serious time when they go to school. Why is your kid in school hitting people? Because that's the only good time that they have. For them, they, in, they see that it's playtime when they're at home. You feel me? When they at home. I remember, I remember, you know, it's no shot to his parents and no shit like that. But I do remember my, my brother teaching my, like I was, I was sitting down. So like my youngest, which I got to stop saying my youngest nephew because another one was born. But the middle nephew that I have, he was like a good two, two or three. I know he was walking, but barely talking and shit. And it was like, my brother was like, yo, fight, fight Uncle Ray Ray. He's like, go fight, fight Uncle Ray Ray. And it's like, as I'm watching him, you know what I'm saying? We playing and shit. It's like, he's smiling. Like, this is a good time. I'm not going to hurt him. I'm not going to hit him hard. But And I don't know. The, and his punches really can't hurt me. You know what I'm saying? In the grand scheme of it all. But it's like, that's playtime. That's playtime. Like, I tell the story. Like, I had to fast forward it to where I was teaching my niece. You know what I'm saying? We playing. I was like, oh, you want this smoke? And she thought we, she it's playtime for her. But she went to school because it was playtime. It was a good time with her uncle. I wasn't, you know what I'm saying, coming aggressive or anything like that. But so when she goes to school, she's asking kids, do you, like, you feel me? You want to smoke? Oh, no, nah, I'm not thinking we're going to fight, but it's, it's playtime for us. We're going to play. So I'm tying it back into how our boys are. You feel me? Because we develop this violence early, but we think violence is playful. 
We think about violence is playful, and then it develops into this is what boys are supposed to be. So now when we have this drug life that is, you know, being infused, we're, you know, we're around it. Like I said, if if everybody knows, everybody, every all black people know at least one crackhead. Know at least one crackhead. Know at least one crackhead. That means you were exposed to this crackhead before, you know what I'm saying? Like, I knew my first crackhead when I was... Shit, all my life I knew a crackhead. I just didn't know he was a crackhead. Like, you feel what I'm saying? They called him Hen Dog. Like, he was a whole fiend, and I didn't know it. Him and his girl. Like, that was like, wow. They live right across the um, right across the uh, walkway. It was different. You feel me? And he was definitely OG. I don't know what he what set he was repping, but he was definitely OG. And I didn't, I didn't. Again, there was a lot of shit that I was kept from. You feel me? There was a lot of shit that I was kept from actually understanding. But see, that's the thing about a child. You can't put a child in a war zone or you can't put a child into an environment that you're not explaining shit to them, thinking that you're sheltering them because their mindset creates the reality of what they think is going to be. You feel me? I was just talking about this on, I want to say last week's episode of, you know, talking about how their impressionable mind is like, like Bobby's world, like, you see the world for how you see the world and you create, you fill in the gaps yourself. Simple. So we had, like I said, we had that lane of the path, the prison pipeline. Now we have the violent side, you know what I'm saying? Developing a fight fight. And then it's like, as we're going, it doesn't change the fact that we eventually go into aggressive sports. And then we get taught, yo, you got to be able to defend yourself. Put your hands up. You got to be able to fight. I'm not saying do not let our boys do none of that shit, but we got to start teaching them what to fight for. There's no why when you teach them how to fight. It's other than don't let nobody hit you. Somebody hit you, you hit them back. Simple. Somebody hit you, you hit them back. But why am I fighting? Why am I fighting? It shouldn't matter why. Just you hit me, I hit you back. You feel me? That violence is there. That violence is there. And like I said, there's a lot of it is predicated off the warriorhood, the warrior side of it, because now what do we do? We end up going into sports. You feel me? I think we play flag football like six, seven years old. And after that, we do Pop Warner where we start putting on pads and tackling and shit like that. And then we learn how to take hits. We They teach us to put our violence on the field. They never teach us to understand our violence. You know what I'm saying? Not even understand our violence, but be disciplined enough with our violence to use it correctly without letting it use us. You feel me? So when you just throw them on a the field, hey, go play sports, go box, go do these things. Why are you violent? Why is it necessary to be violent? What does it mean to be violent when that deficit is there? Because what? The father is out of the home. And I get it. Even if the father is in the home and there's still some kind of influence there, the father's still working. He's still, you're still spending more time with outside world than you are with your family, your familial structure, period. Don't matter. You in school for eight hours a day. You sleep for eight hours a day. Your parents work for 12. That means we were spending, even if your father is home, you're spending about six to four to six hours with him a day where you're actually spent, able to spend with your father. That's if the remainder of the day you're with him the whole time, uninterrupted. So that's six to four hours. You feel what I'm saying? But you're with other people, eight with other influences eight to, for eight hours straight. Other teachers, other, you know what I'm saying? Other experiences in school. That's it. Like what? Like, you feel me? Over time, that gap widens, you feel me, and the violence 
begins to develop, we become that, 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 that path is there. That's why it's like, once the, once the, the gap starts to develop and the school to prison pipeline starts to go, they build it. That's why it's like by third grade, they can, they build prisons off of third grade test scores, my guy. Not colleges and institutions, they build prisons by third grade test scores. Because they already know that what we're creating and what we're able to develop. And then when you have black people disproportionately filling prisons more than anybody else, that's a problem because it's like, what is this pipeline really being prepared? Like, who is really targeted in this pipeline? It ain't white people. It ain't Hispanic people. You feel me? Yeah, they they try to lump us in. We're black and brown. Hey, look, I don't, I can't, don't lump me with the brown people. We're not the same. You guys have benefits and you, they have things that they can get away with that I, I'm unfortunately unable to. They have perks that they can side with that I don't like. Like I said, when every community, every culture has a racial slur for black people, that is a problem. You feel me? But black people don't have that animosity for everybody else up front. You know what I'm saying? Another thing, the people of color, don't, don't fuck with them. Don't put me in that shit. I am a black man. And I get it. Oh, we indigenous. Don't call me black. What land is black? Black is the encompassing of all. Call it what you want. I'm a part of the encompassing of all. Genetics of dominance. But anywho, that violent side is what, you know what I'm saying, our warriorhood is now shifted because I did an episode on warriors, messengers, and thinkers. And when it comes into this, I'm going to break down like, I'm going to break down how all of these tie into that as well, in a, in, in a way, especially when I get to the third one. Right. So when we're considering what it is that we're dealing with as far as the violence side, that develops. You feel me? So now with the violence side, yeah, they're playing sports, they're playing this and this like, but there's still things that gotta be moved. Cause now what is the music still promoting? Still be violent. Be strapped up, knock niggas out, stomp niggas out. Like we had literally a whole crump a crunk era of music. Which you did nothing but fight. Niggas literally went to the club and fought. Like, just to fight. Like, just to wild the fuck out and fight in the club and tear the bitch up. You know what I'm saying? More crunk music. More, more. you know what I'm saying, knuck if you buck. More music that is programming your mind. So now, not only that, we can take it back to the 90s. More gang music. Shoot this motherfucker. Kill this motherfucker. Bop, bop, bop. It's like, all of this shit is now violent music. And we're hearing it. We're hearing it. Some of us, you know, fortunate enough to still, you know, have quote-unquote, as we always say, I was raised in a church, so we still heard, God, heard gospel music and shit throughout the house, or whatever case may be, heard Anita Baker when it's time to clean up. But for the most part, what is our music listening to? What is our music palette on? Selling drugs and killing each other at this point, which aligns with the with two of the veins of the school-to-prison pipeline. You feel me? So when these veins, when these veins and these lanes are are being filled, we're now reaffirming them. You know what I'm saying? Even back, like, think about that. Like, our imitates reality. Even LL Cool J got a song. Mama said, knock you out. So I'm going to knock you out. You know what I'm saying? It's encouraging the violence. And we don't even realize what it is because we're in the culture. And we know, okay, bet. You hit me, I hit you back. <laughs> That's what mama said. That's what that really means. Mama said, knock you out. So I'm going to knock you out. It wasn't just, you know, innately be violent. We have to, we're growing up in a fucking war zone. You feel me? You literally teach, you literally give mem uh, military uh, personnel combat training. 
Why? So they can go to what they have to do hand-in-hand combat. It ain't no difference to what we teach. We just teach it at a young age because we recognize early that we are in a motherfucking war zone. And it's far from fucking normal. Don't get it twisted. I'm not implying shit. Like, this this is far from normal. This shit ain't right. It ain't motherfucking right, bro. Sis, all y'all, it ain't motherfucking right. But it's real. And it's our reality because this is the perception that we go in. Even Biggie was quoted saying, either you're going to sell, you're going to uh, have a, what is it? you can have a sell crack rock, you can have a wicked jump shot or some shit like that. Like, literally, it's like, yo, people are trying to make it seem like, yo, bro, that's our only options. Because now when they teach us to channel our, channel, our, channel our violence correctly, we play sports. Now, if we can't play sports, what do we do? We join gangs. Perfect example of that. And the most pivotal one that I can look at now is that you can see it in real time is the show All-American. Motherfucking, what's his name? Um... What the fuck is his name? He's the main fucking character. He's from Crenshaw. That's all he talk about is Crenshaw. Because Crenshaw, King Ken. What the fuck is his name? It ain't James. It ain't Trevor. Fuck, his name will come to me. But he's the main character of the shit. But he couldn't avoid the hood. Like, he played, he happened to play football. One of his childhood friends ended up getting shot. Cause he ended up joining the gang and ultimately he died at the end of the day, but he was, he started banging. You know what I'm saying? He started banging because he just got into it. It's like, yo, but dude, you could have played sports too. You feel me? There was another movie I saw. I think it was, it wasn't not easily broken, but it was a movie where Morris Chestnut, it was not easily broken because he was the, uh, the baseball coach. He was coaching the little boys or whatever. And one of the guys, you know what I'm saying? He was like, bro, you know, he I think he capitalized on going to college or whatever the case may be, getting a scholarship or some shit. And the other dude stayed in the streets and he blew his opportunity. But he was the the one who blew his opportunity was the better player. And then they had that conversation one time. He's like, yo, bro, what I made say, yeah, you would have did it. You could have made it, but you just you couldn't leave the streets alone. You couldn't stay out of the streets. You feel me? We see that shit all the motherfucking time. I even had a come to terms moment with my homies like that. It's like, yeah, bro, let's leave this shit alone. Nah, bro, I'm a real nigga with my shit. I'm in college. Like, it was like, as I'm going to college my freshman year, one of my homies is going to prison. You feel me? I got another homie who's telling me, yo, nigga, I'm a street nigga, man. I'm not going to leave this shit alone. Hey, bro, it is what it is. But it's like all of this was like by a design to make this happen this way. And all of them are gangsters, too. Like, we, like I tell you, I grew up with gangsters and shit. It's not on no, you know opening cases type shit because you know i don't i don't reveal names for a reason but it's like these this was the life this was this was the life and this was the pipeline i was already set in motion because it's like it's it goes back into something that i mentioned in one of the previous podcast episodes where i was like the they understand the like we're not a part of the culture that the school system is is predicated upon so we don't have the same environmental experiences that make it sufficient for us to pass. You dig what I'm saying? So the environment that we have is designed for us to fail because we're in a culture that is the that is we're in a culture that is an anti to the environment that is designed to succeed according to the education system. There's things that we have to worry about that other people don't. So now you have to add in the fact that we last key kids too, father out of the home, and if he's you know in and out of jail or whatever the case may be, these are things that we got to deal with. 
And so now when we're raising and developing the kids, now we have one vein. So far we had the two veins. We have the vein that is um, the drugs. We have the vein that is the violence. You know, ultimately gang shit, niggas lead, develop to turn into killers. And then we had the last vein, which is the sexual offenders, which is the sexual vein. You feel me? Those are largely the the veins. The sexual vein is the vein that is like really one of the ones that nobody really wants to discuss. You know, because we don't talk to our kids about sex. We're afraid to talk to our kids about sex. We constantly tell them you're too young to know about sex. They can't be too young to know about sex when we catch them humping. They can't be too young to know about sex when they when they do certain mannerisms that we can catch, but we don't nip it in the bud early. That little boy was humping since he was six. Not even since he was six, since he learned to walk, he was humping. Nobody talked to him. You just, stop being nasty. You yelled at him. You didn't teach him the ways early to train him in the ways in which he should go. You shunned it and you beat him and we chastised him for the other shit that he was doing, but it never stopped. You know why? Because it was never addressed. Largely because of the influence in which inflicted it. Each one of these layers has a big homie or OG or somebody doing this shit. The problem is we know on the, we, we open the door and allow the service to be, okay, we see which drug dealers they watched. You feel me? When you're in poverty watching a motherfucker get money, come on, bro. That's easy to follow. We know the OGs that the motherfuckers can influence the motherfucker. Like when you see this is the motherfucking man, this is the killer. These are the these are the people that I want to be like when I get up, when I get older, because they're not influencing me. But who is the sexual person that influenced them? Because these are the people that kept it, it was behind the doors. It was behind the 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 walls. You feel me? Yeah, you see on one vein, you see the ladies, man. You feel me? But then what about that psychologically traumatized motherfucker who becomes the pedophile and messes with the kids? You feel me? Everybody want to be like, be like Mike, Mike Lowry and shit. When you see, you know, pretty Rickies and shit, the motherfuckers who want to be that motherfucker. But what about the people who are seeing and experiencing behavior behind closed doors that nobody's looking at because everybody wants to shame? You feel me? Everybody wants to shame it and say, nah, that's not happening. You feel me? A lot of people suffered from molestation. In our culture, that shit was heavy because now we got to tie it back into the slavery um, aspect to it, too. You feel me? Because we didn't stop like the slave mentality, like the pitting us against each other. All of these realities still played in the drug game. Of course, that wasn't heavily in slavery, but it was more so alcoholism when it was in slavery. You feel me? Alcohol abuse rather than drug abuse, but it ultimately transitioned into drugs to make it different. The violence, the Mandingo warriors, they used to pit us against each other to fight, motherfucker. Like, you feel me? Then you put a certain, like, that shit was all there. And then when you look at the fact that it was like a breeding farm, it developed a reality for rape culture. We have assimilated into rape culture. And so for a three, I break this down of the different levels of rape culture. Like, low key, we be getting advice from sexually incompetent people. You feel what I'm saying? When was the last time you actually had a conversation that made actual sense about what it was to 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 be with a woman? 
my conversations with women were always, you know, there was never progressive steps of, yo, talk to her like this. You got to sue her like that. Like, nah, it was like when you get older, we had to talk about women. And it's just like we skipped all the way to the final boss, straight sex. Like that's the ultimate goal. Just have sex with them. Not courting, not getting to know them. And I didn't know. It was like your goal is to have sex. Now, when we're in a society that we have assimilated to, in addition to the barbarism that makes that helps the violence and shit, in addition to the corrupt mentality of, you know, that led to the drug react. Like most of the successful motherfuckers that are in America that are solid right now, they started off selling drugs. That's the American dream. People don't want to talk about that. You take your, you take all of your legal money and then you make it legal and then you get legit and walk the fuck away. So then we also tie into the fact that we're in the middle of a war zone and we're tied into that barbarism and shit. You develop rape culture real easy. Rape culture is easy as fuck. Like we don't, if you, if you even just look at the word booty, booty is called spoils of war. How have we, like when we really look at what booty is, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and please, I'm not trying to go down the war, the booty warrior dude that was in that prison shit. I'm speaking from a real perspective. Like booty, when we actually look at it, <laughs> now that I open that door, I'm not gonna start laughing at shit. But when we look at what booty really is, booty is spoils of war. We have associated receiving sex, getting some ass, getting some butt, getting some booty from our women and we don't acknowledge what booty really is like i always say the universe really doesn't care whether or not you acknowledge what the fuck you're saying as soon as you do so booty is already associated with spoils of war regardless of how much association we have made it with the ass of a woman so it went from evolved from booty to butt to ass to you know what i'm saying pussy and shit but at the end of the day the reality is that it's booty it's plunder it spoils of war which means that when we want booty, that means we have to acknowledge that we are in the middle of a war and we are trying to see something. So by any means, you are trying to get it, right? So now, what is, we got rap, hip-hop. Hip rap and hip-hop is responsible for, think about this, rap and hip-hop collectively are responsible for two of those lanes, the drug lane and then the violent lane, right? R&B alone is responsible for the sex lane. Yeah, rap does affect the sex lane as well because you got motherfuckers like, but more, largely they wasn't really, you know what I'm saying, making too many songs. Like your your favorite rapper has songs about like has songs about sex, but they have albums about killing and selling drugs. You see what I'm saying? Like that's that's where I'm going with that. But when we look at the R and B side, that's all it is. Everybody say everybody loves R- 90s R&B. I love R- 90s R&B. It takes me back. But listen to 90s R&B. It's all sex. Yeah, we called it love making. But it was like, you know, these kids don't know the difference. Like, we grew up listening to Knocking the Boots. You feel me? We grew up listening to um, fucking uh, Fiendin. You know what I'm saying? Jodeci, H-Town, uh, Brownstone. um, uh jade uh color me bad look listen to these listen to the groups listen to the 90s music that was popping yes yes the music was popping but the music was all sexual you feel me adina howard adina howard damn it you feel me tlc red light specials and shit like you feel me the music was all there the catalysts were all there 
So now we're listening to this music and we're watching the videos and we're not internalizing what it is that we're seeing. You dig what I'm saying? And we're exposed to it at such a young age and it's like, oh, this music doesn't have quote unquote cussing in it. Yeah, you listen to the edited version, but the edited version don't, in those times, early 90s, the edited version was still, you know what I mean? It, it, it might've been adjusted just a little bit, but it was, you still kind of know. You still kind of know, like there are certain, there was tones that was like, okay, we're completely, like, I just heard this the other day, <laughs> that song, everybody dance now. The original version of that song was everybody fuck now. It was like, oh shit, they had to use dance because if that song was recorded today, they would have let it be everybody fuck now. Think about it, got a song called WAP. Wet ass pussy, like, wow, wow, wow. There's no editing anymore because you can't put the filters on the shit no more. You edit it, you could buy the edited version of an album. Now all of the music is streaming. Don't nobody stream the edited versions no more. The fuck? It's like, yo, put the parental uh, advisory on it. That's all you can do at this point. You feel me? But when we look at the sexual side, it's like, that side is heavily influenced within us and that's how we quote unquote develop ourselves into men. It's sad because it develops the rape culture. We start to see the 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 kissing and all of that shit too early. And it's I'm not saying like you see your parents kissing, hugging, and shit. Like that's different. The shit that we were seeing at such a young age, the shit that we do see at such a young age, mm-mm. It ain't right. You fuck around and stumble across a porno magazine. You feel me? Like I saw my first my I saw my first flick full length all the way through when I was seven years old. Cause I fucked around and found my brother's tape. You feel me? And my brother was 14 still. And it's like, there was no sex talk. There was no like, you know what I'm saying? Me and my brother didn't even have a sex talk. Like, and it's like, yo, I I know he didn't have a sex talk with our pops cause (laughs) he won't there. So I know that he didn't have a sex talk, but it's like, I know some of so many of us who never had a sex talk, but, we were experimenting trying to fuck. You feel me? When I actually took sex education in in middle school, I was 12 years old. I was fucking by then. I already started fucking by 11. You feel me? A lot of us started fucking early. We was already dry humping. Like, you feel what I'm saying? Motherfuckers, we was playing hide and go get it, 7-Eleven. Come on, y'all. Like, don't don't front. Don't front. Like, it's it, it's... It's just some, you know what I'm saying? I'm just pulling this out of my ass. Y'all know what's up. We was too young to be playing those games. And we was too young to even have the knowledge of playing those games. But we played them. How did everything become so sexual? Like we, when it was when we played hide and seek, you know what I'm saying? A lot of the shit became sexual for us. Parents didn't know what the fuck we was doing. Because they didn't even know that we knew what the fuck we was doing. Because they didn't take the time to understand. Because you think that your child is four years old and shit and you see him humping doing humping dances and shit and you think you're telling him to stop that because you said the words stop that's nasty that had ever left their heads no you were supposed to educate them on what it really was the moment you seen it i say this all the time i say the moment your child is inquisitive about something they're ready to know it whether you are ready for your child to know that or not is irrelevant that's beside the fact you're the parent you're supposed to guide them through the traps of the world when they approach the traps. You feel me? 
But we wait until we're ready to show them a trap. Motherfuckers done hopped over seven to eight traps already. You feel what I'm saying? You feel what I'm saying? I had my first kiss. My first kiss, I was seven. Six or seven. No, I was seven years old because I was in the second grade because she was in the third. And our first kiss was weird. It was, I ain't going to say weird as in different. It was too adult for us. Like, I'll never forget it because this was amazing. Like, you feel me? It was, she had an orange. She was eating an orange. And she was like, come here. And I walked over to her and she put half of the orange, like she put half of the orange slice. Like it was an actual orange, not an orange slice candy. But she put half of the orange slice in her mouth and she said, now take the other half. And I took the other half. I bit the other half and we started kissing, whole tongue and everything. I was like, wow, you know what? I take that back. That wasn't my first kiss. My first kiss, I was actually in kindergarten and I was at my babysitter's house and I'm so like, now that I'm older, I understand. And I'm so glad that it played out this way because the girl was on top of me. I was five and she was like four. So she pushed me back onto, onto like the little couch area that we was on. Cause it was in a little play area. The fucking daycare lady is just out. She's not outside or she's just not in the room with us. Because we're kids. I don't think she thinks that we're going to be doing no shit like that. So the girl pushed me back and she laid on top of me and started kissing me. And I didn't know shit. So I was kissing back. And then I just felt I just felt the girl just get removed from the top of me. And it scared the fuck out of me. But the babysitter pulled her off of me. And I was like, now that I'm older. And she was a little mixed girl, too. She was half black, half white. Now that I'm older and I look back at that time. It would have been a lot worse if I was on top of her. It would have been so much worse if I was on top of her because then it would have came out as he was forcing himself on her and it would have been so much other shit like that. And it was, it was different. So when she got snatched off of me and the baby said that she was talking to me because she was black and she was like, don't ever let yourself get put in a situation like that. You tell me if somebody's putting her, they're trying to do something like that to you. And the, they they knew the little girl was fast. They were like, we knew that she was like this because apparently she had done it to other boys at the daycare too. You feel me? But I'm saying that because like at that moment I had my first kiss. You feel me? And then the one that I was like really conscious of that was like, I'm intentionally doing this. That's when I was seven. You feel me? But these moments, these moments are affecting us all as men. Like we, we, we see this shit and we have these experiences early. And a lot of our experiences come so early and we don't say shit because it's like, oh, I'm mature. I'm a man. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? And people are telling you, like, we become sexualized at such a young age and then we hear the music. You feel me? And these, when you hearing it, it's like, wow, this is, this is the music. This is what the adults are listening to. Hey, bro, for real, though, at some point, we got to stop talking to women about masculinity and start talking to each other about it. And I mean really talk to each other, not as enablers and co-signers, but as men trying to reach the pinnacle of our essence. And that's what the So Frail series does. So Frail 1 is the definition. So Frail 2 is the acknowledgement. And So Frail 3 is the resolution. 
If you rock with the Soul Frail Conversations, I can guarantee you will rock with the Soul Frail series of books. So visit IamJustSing.com right now so you can add the series to your library. I promise you will never look at masculinity the same again, and you're going to stop wasting your time arguing with women about it. This is a conversation that men need to have between men, and it's time we start having this conversation now. So this is what they really doing. I done seen some wild shit when I was young. I remember, matter of fact, I was seven then too. And the girl that I had my first kiss with, they was our next door neighbors and shit. And they had like a party outside or something. And like one of the guys, I'll never forget this. Like the guy was on, he was sitting down on the ground, like almost not like Indian style per se, but like he was sitting down on the ground, but like he was kind of erect. And a woman just, she put a pussy in his mouth and just started humping his face. They were, they had clothes on and shit, but I'm seeing that at a, as a kid. I never forget that moment. I'm seeing that as a seven-year-old kid. Like, what the fuck is they doing? So I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm like, and I'm telling it, I'm like, yo. And I'm telling one of my close friends that at like my age, I'm not telling somebody older than me because I know they're going to say, you shouldn't be watching that. You shouldn't be, hey, nigga, I didn't try to watch it. It was just in front of me. Like, the fuck you want me to do? So it was, yo, she just literally, I was like, yo, she just put her private parts in his face and just started humping him. I didn't know, like, none of that shit. I didn't know what none of that shit really meant, but I seen it. I seen it. And then I remember vividly the guy said, yeah, I'm getting a whole mouth full of this shit. I was like, a whole mouth full of what? Because in my mind, I'm like, yo, it's just pants. Like, that's like, ew, y'all eat pants? Ew. <laughs> the fuck? I've seen a lot of shit. You feel me? Seen a lot of shit early. And I'm not just basing that off of myself, but I've had conversations. And But I was in a space where me and my homies, we able to have these conversations at such a young age. Right? So we got the drug lane. We got the violent lane. And then we got the sexual lane. Which one are you going to pick? Which one becomes the lane in which you decide, you know, the school to prison pipeline starts to push you into? You feel what I'm saying? Which one? You know, because that's what it develops to over time. And like I said, with the sexual lane, that is a little bit different because it's taboo because nobody's going to talk about it. Nobody's there's no mediums for them to say, hey, you're feeling like this. Your sexual energy is your creative energy or, you know, what I'm saying use it for this, blah, blah, blah. Nobody's saying say you're too young to talk about it when you're violent. Put you in the sports. You feel me? When you see the drugs, it's like, okay, well, let's try to get you in some kind of extracurricular activities. Uh, go do this. Uh, we're going to keep you out of the streets and keep you away from the drug. Like, there's mediums to it, but there's no protection for the sexual side. So that one is easier to get into because it's like, that's the side that's encouraged. Low-key. It's like, listen, when we look at the mixing pot of all of the music that we're listening to. Look at the music that's being created right now. Like, fuck, the, we're adults now. We can't go back to the past and erase what the fuck happened to us. You feel me? But listen, let's look at the music that you that your babies are being involved in right now. You feel me? So I get to people like, oh, the Cardi B's are setting examples and shit like that. Like, no, you can't avoid. Like, there's shit that I learned that it's like, I wasn't supposed to, like. All right, so Pete, even having this exposure at seven to see, um, to see shit like this um with the with the uh the dude getting having the pussy in his face and shit kissing and all that but being a kid being around the adults 
and then the adult movie coming on, we can watch it up until what the sex scene comes in. Then what we got to do, close our eyes as if our ears aren't still open. Like we hear this, we hear the moans, we hear the groans and shit like that. It, it starts off. You got to leave the room or it, it was a time when you couldn't even watch these movies at all. But then it got to where the comfort was there. Oh, y'all can watch them. Just cover your eyes through the sex scenes. You don't cover your ears. So you hear the shit. I'm not going to speak on everybody else. I can only speak on myself. You feel me? I listen to the sound prior and after. So I would say, hmm, what did they not want me to see? What did they not want me to see? So what I would do is when everybody was gone or when I had some time to myself or when I knew that I can get away with it, I popped the movie in, fast forwarded to the part that they told me to close my eyes on and listen for the part this time I watch it. This time I watch it. I remember I remember watching I think the first time that happened I remember watching the sex scene from um from Waiting to His Hell. You feel me? It was Waiting to His Hell. And and watching the sex scene from Waiting to His Hell was the one where uh dude was he was hitting Whitney and he was like, "Grr." So all I'm hearing is when my eyes are closed, the adults watching this girl, girl. I'm like, what the fuck is, why do I have to close my eyes? He's just saying, girl, oh, he's on top of her. And then he's humping her. And then, oh, wow. Okay. That's what it means for girl. You feel me? I don't know shit about shit. You feel me? I don't know shit about shit, but I'm developing these realities. So now we got this vein, sexual side. And then it's like, now I'm going to tell my homies and shit like, yo, Y'all seen that movie? Y'all seen the movie Waiting to His Hell? When when dude was like, girl. And he was like, yeah, I seen it too. So we talk about the shit like, yo, how you see it? You feel me? It's like, I know they told me to lead her on. They told me to close my eyes, but I went back and watched it. You feel me? We was all on the same type time. You feel me? We was all on the same type time. So with the access, so it like, we all had pump me tapes by the time we was uh like 10, 10 or 11. We had already seen, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we big brothers or big sisters or whatever, like somebody, we was able to stumble upon some shit like that. You feel what I'm saying? So I'm saying that, and the reason why I put more emphasis on that is it ties also to the 200th episode. Like when I look at, they say you got one in three black men are going to go to jail in a lifetime. Like the statistics, no, no, no. It's only one in three black men will, will stay out of prison. Or whatever case, black boys or whatever case may be. So the, the, the stat is three, right? So when I look at me and my homies and shit, it's like, yeah, um, I didn't, I didn't actually do time, but I got arrested. And then when I looked at what, like, when when I look at the charges and shit, like, what was it? Like, I had a sexual charge. You feel me? The highest of the sexual charges. You feel me? Because that was the vein that I went down. I'm gonna break down as we develop because it's. You know, now we're moving into a higher point, but I'm doing a quick segue into this point. So I caught the sexual charge. One of my homies, my other two homies, they caught the drug charges. You feel me? And then I knew, and then I had another homie who caught a violent charge. No, no. Two of those homies, they caught drug charges and violent charges because they caught an armed robbery charge on some bullshit. And I would have been with them. I would have been with them. I was like, nah, I don't, I don't think the vibes are right tonight, y'all. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going, nah, man, we just going to be having, nah, bro, y'all could do that shit. They got an armed robbery charge. Bam, bam, bam. The three lanes right there. The drugs, the violence, and the sex. They didn't fall to the sex. I did. You feel me? I fell to the sex side. You feel me? Because now when we look at what we're getting our respect for, 
you feel me what we're getting our respect for in conjunction with what it is that this this pipeline has really made itself out of you feel me i was encouraged to be the ladies man you feel me i wasn't i didn't i wasn't the violent side and i wasn't i didn't take the violent route not because i was on some bitch shit like i made a promise to my mama like once we moved to north carolina i said i'm not gonna fight anymore i still fought just not in school i just said i'm not gonna fight in school anymore and i didn't develop the violent side ladies man shit i couldn't avoid that like i i'm that nigga like i'm i'm like i'm him everywhere i go women are going to be on me and shit like that's why in my age now i don't i don't really like vanity i don't really like vanity is like that's why it's it's taking a lot to get back into it if you're on social media with me it's like why i'm starting to show my face now but that's why i don't like it because most of my following is comes from women you know what i'm saying and that's like i understand why i understand that it's a part of the condition of a different level of programming and it's like damn i don't i don't want to be a part of that but it's only one of the things like, i can't avoid it I, I gotta leverage it as best as i can which is ultimately how so real conversations are what they are right now and i was able to get to my brothers but i had to get to the women first but i had to it was a whole process but anywho you had to pick a vein which you were going to be in are you going to be the motherfucker who's i'm going to get my respect by being a drug dealer slash entrepreneur whatever the case may be a getting money motherfucker because if you get money and you Cause when we was start, when we was trying to start getting money, I remember I was trying to get my first job at thirteen. I got a workers' permit. They're like, "Yo, you too young to work." I came back every year. I ended up getting my first job when I was sixteen because the guy was like, "Yo, you came back here every year. That's dedication. I have to give you a job." He said, "You've been too young to work here every year." That you know, he said, "But I got to give it to you now, cause I seen your dedication. You never gave up." You feel what I'm saying? So I went that route. But by that time, by I got my first job by sixteen. My homies was already trapping by that same age i could have got in the game but the but the ogs didn't let me the big homies like nope 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 you ain't doing this because they're like you got the future and that's what i was saying like we put so much into like how do we not know the other ones got futures too we don't give a fuck. you feel me so the violent side was more encouraged because by 16 by 15 16 years old we was all violent it was violent as shit I ain't even gonna hold you. We was violent than the motherfucker. Cause all we did was fight. 50 got a song um called Heat. He was like, summertime is the killing season. It's hot out this bitch. That's a good enough reason. Nigga, summertime, it was hot. It was hot. Luckily, where where we were at, it was so close knit that we just fought each other. Nobody got shot. Nobody got shot where I lived. And that's I, I love that for us, but we fought every summer. Every summer we scrapped the fuck out lately because we was brawling. I mean, brawling, brawling every year. You can count on it. You feel me? Promoting the violence. Like that's what it was. You feel what I'm saying? And anybody could have got it. And then it got to a point where motherfuckers was like, you know, do you, you know what I'm saying? We coming in, we coming to where y'all at? Pull up then, Nick. So what is going to be? You better pull up and you better be ready. Cause you know what I'm saying? It's getting to what it's getting to. And so, you know, by then it's like, like I said, we like 14, 15 years old, scrapping all the fucking time, all the time. And then we started scrapping each other. We got boxing gloves just to keep our hands sharp. And that's what it was. We promoted the violence. You feel me? And again, what are we listening to? More shit on violence. G unit. That was my shit. Like I, I like I listened to 50 faithfully. I was a 50 fan. When he came out, it was fuck murdering. I was I was on it. I was just like Riley. 
just like Riley. A lot of us are like Riley Freeman. Some of my favorite songs are the most dangerous songs that I should have been shouldn't have been listening to. Like nigga, like one of my favorite lines by Fifty Cent. This is literally my favorite line, favorite bar he's ever quoted. And I don't know, and I know that I shouldn't have. This should not be a bar, but I felt it to my soul. He was like, "If you're smart, you'd be shooking me, cause I get tired of looking for you. Spray your mama crib and let your ass look for me." I've had those intentions. I've had those thoughts before. You feel me? I just never sold drugs, and I never. I, we was violent. I just never crossed that line. I told myself I didn't want a gun, cause if I got a gun, I would kill somebody. My homies had guns. Homies got in shootouts. You feel me? But for the most part, the lanes like now I'm at teenage years and shit. We these were the lanes they was trapping. Literally, we was gonna sell. We was gonna start trapping because we was broke. And I had calculated the whole scheme, and it was so perfect too. I just never executed on it because it for me it wasn't like no, it was a business, bro. We're not gonna sell, just sell, sell. Like nah, we gonna have it's gonna be buffers, bro. We gonna have people like I was already on that type time when I was young. I was like 13, 14 years old. Cause one of my homies and shit, he had um he had boosted some cell phones and shit. So we had free cell phones. Everybody had a different line. It was like, bet. So we're gonna use these. And it was all burner phones too. You ain't tracking these motherfuckers. So it's like, yo, bet, this is what we're gonna do. Every week we're gonna change the name of what we moving. We gotta call and say, let me get blah blah blah. And we're gonna he was like, bet. That's how we're gonna do it. I just never went through it. Because I would have had to keep all the shit at my house. My mama won't gonna let that rock. My mama won't gonna let that motherfucking shit rock. So there was no way I could, you know. I could trap, but they was they was already in it. When I got my first job, they was already in the game. And I was like, I want some money. <laughs> like I was mad because that's like that's why I was glad I, when I finally got my job because I was broke. I was broke. I was the one that didn't have money. They did. You feel me? Now, granted, when I look back, it would it would it would chump change. You feel me? It was well, like niggas flashing like two, three hundred dollars, nigga. You gotta go re up with that shit, nigga. You better not fuck that man money up. You feel me? But. It was, it was watching that game. It's like, yo, one of my homies, he was, you know, he was a doja. You feel me? If you're familiar with the terminology, it's the little nigga that they take under the wing. And they had him in the game and he was, you know what I mean? He was doing his thug this on the shit. And he started getting good. He started getting better. He started learning how to eyeball the shit. He started learning how to cook it. And he was really, and it's like, we just, he's like a year younger than me. But I'm mad because it's like, yo, bro, why y'all letting him do this shit? It's like... Nigga told me, Shadow, we don't give a fuck about him. I said, damn, that's 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 crazy. But it is what it is. He's like, yo, he got it. He, he's going to maneuver this game anyway. You feel me? And it was crazy because, like, they didn't give a fuck about him. But I don't think they didn't give a fuck about him. They just didn't give a fuck about his future or didn't believe he had the opportunity to have a future. You feel me? Because how they put it was, you feel me? Um, he going to do it anyway. We just, you know, as long as we here to guide him and shit, it is what it is. But, like, we don't give a fuck about him. Like, you can't be in this shit. So it was like, yeah, they was trapping. They was trapping. And we was all violent. But I was the ladies' man. I was the ladies' man. So around the same time, we all went to jail. Around us, like we all had our moments of going to jail. I think my the trapper, one of my trapping homies, he first got locked up when I was 15, 15 or 16. Maybe 15, no, 15, because I wasn't working yet. I didn't have a job yet, but I'm watching him get this money. I'm like, damn, I want to get some money. I want to get some fucking money, bro. Like, damn, I want to get some money so fucking bad. Like, damn. But I don't, first time I seen him get locked up, it's like, 
he ain't do no heavy time because he was the first defender. So he went out to a group home and shit like that. Went up there to go see him and shit. When I went to go see him because he was in a group home, it's always some bitches. You feel me? That was my thing. I was the nigga that you always got the bitches with. You feel me? Always got the bitches. So when we went to the damn group home to see him and shit, like it was, he was like, yo, who that? He like, yo, that's my brother and shit. Like called each other brother and shit. I was like, yeah, give him my number and shit, man. I never turned the number down. I never not got numbers. So I always had hoes and shit. But that's what it was. You feel me? I just happened to still be the person who wasn't going to violate. I didn't, I didn't, you know what I'm saying? I didn't go above and beyond on the other, the other type shit. But where I'm going with that too is that he caught his first offense trapping or whatever. It was just a matter of time. I think when I was 17, you know, and I was like 16 to 17, that's when my other homie, the younger homie, he got, he got in his shit or whatever. He got a lot of, so now tying this into the, the, to the war zones and shit. Now I'm segueing it back to the, um, I'm going to get back to the sexual side, but then, cause we was all on that type time. Like we all had hoes. And it was like, for us, it was just fucking. Like, yo, let's get some pussy. Let's, you know what I'm saying? Let's go fuck something. Let's go, you know what I mean? And so the violent side was like, yo, when the shit got real, like I tell the story, like I, I, when I tell the story about how we ended up having a BB gun and a shotgun fitting for our lives, like that was real. That was a part of the violent shit. It's like, we wanted this life until it came to us. I said, yo, I don't want to be a gangster no more. I was scared. I was, I was scared of shit. I told him, I said, yo, I'm scared, y'all. We might not make it home. This is a scary feeling. I'm like, yo, I'm 16 years old. I'm like, I might not make it home. I don't think anybody understands that level of desperation. You feel me? To not be like, to know that you may not make it the fuck home. That's different. That's a different level of fear. That's a different level of fear. So it was like tying that shit into that violent shit. And it's like, we had become so volatile. We got in that situation because some niggas tried to, you know, they pulled up, you know, like, yo, what y'all bang? Nigga, we don't bang shit. What the fuck y'all bang and shit? You feel me? I was trying to be the level here. Like, y'all, y'all know what they got in their car. Yo, let's, let's keep walking. But them niggas, they, nah, nah, fuck that. Ain't no bitch, man. Ain't, it ain't about being a bitch, bro. We don't know what they got. They might be strapped and we not. <laughs> we walking naked out this motherfucker, bro. Like, nah, let's, let's not do that shit. You feel me? But then it became because it's like, oh, y'all didn't have nothing. So then when we when we was on y'all type time and seeing what the fuck y'all was on, we caught y'all slipping. But then y'all had bigger homies. You feel me? But then we had bigger homies that y'all ain't know about that dead at the beef and shit. So it was it was what it was. You feel me? Because then, it, like I said, it became ruthless because the trappers, they got a little bit more violent because they had to protect their shit. That's when I started seeing bigger guns, like AK-47s and shit. Like, I remember one of my homies and shit, he had a little baby, 25. I'm like, nigga, what the fuck you going to do with that? He said, I don't know, but I got to protect these. I'm beefing with niggas that got choppers. Nigga, I be with you. Why? How you ended up beefing with niggas that got choppers, bro? What the fuck going on? Like, what's going on for real, for real? And and it's like, nah, bro, I don't think it's going to get to that, bro. You strapped right now. What you mean you don't think it's going to get to that? You already worried that it's going to get to that. You feel me? So it's like it followed us. It didn't, and it's like it didn't really follow us. It was the fact that it was just a part of the culture. It's a part of where we were. Like one of, one of my young homies and shit, both of his big brothers was down. Like down, down. Like I mean down, down. Like these niggas was known. Both of them are dead now. And he's facing the, he's doing the bid right now. You feel what I'm saying? It's like, yo, like we don't, we don't escape this shit. But it was like we was always together. 
We were scrapping. You know what I'm saying? We was that's all we did was scrap, get bitches, and they they trapped, and I went to work. And on the weekends, we went to the movies and parlayed and got more fucking numbers. Like that's all we did. You feel me? Because it's like that's all there was to do. And like when you think about how the school to prison pipeline comes out, and you think about the three veins in which that pipeline is, and when you look at about look at the 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 opportunities, the extracurricular activities for teenage boys in the motherfucking hood, what do you get? What do you get? Partying and bullshit. And then when we listen to our music, you feel me? One of my homies, he used to always bump, you know why keep that white girl, Christina Aguilera, Marjorie too loud, homeboy, I can't hear you. You feel me? That was his shit. Like he played that shit and it's, he was trapping. You feel me? Niggas had affirmations of if you ain't trapping, kill yourself. Snowman, bitch. I was wearing snowman shit and I, I was wearing it to school and they banned my shit. They were like, yo, you can't wear that to school. Why not? It's self-expression. I didn't know what I was really doing because I'm looking at the culture. Like, nigga, we really a part of this shit. You feel me? And so when I really became a little bit more cognizant of the shit was I was like 16. And again, I'm working. So I'm a junior in high school, but this is like my first, like I'm, I'm, I'm making money. You feel me? My mom, she didn't require me to pay no bills or no shit like that. So all my money went to me. So I'm like, so everybody think I'm trapping. Everybody think I'm selling drugs. I'm like, no. So then they start whispering because my homies are selling drugs and they're not in school. You feel me? They're not in school. I think, yeah. Cause my junior year, we was, man, that was the only year we was all together, yo. We was only here that we was all together. And we was only together for like two weeks because one of my homies knocked the nigga out. Got kicked out of school because he was already bad and shit. I was like, yo, fuck it, man. Fuck school, bro. I'm a, I'm a trap anyway. So they was in the game. And you feel me? I'm not, but I'm affiliated with them. You feel me? I'm affiliated with them. So they're like, yo, bro, you used to like motherfuckers in school. Was like the, the, the resource officers and motherfuckers was watching me. You feel me? The motherfuckers was watching me. I done got searched at school so many motherfucking times. I'm like, yo, what you searching me for? And my homies and shit, because they didn't know. They like, yo, bro, they can't search. Yes, they can. The moment we step on school premises, it's fair game. We give up all rights. Like, we don't, we don't, we're not, we don't have that autonomy no more once we go to school. They can search us whenever they want to, and we can't complain. We give that right up the moment we get on that school bus and we cross that threshold. They didn't know that shit. I knew that shit because, you know, my mama was teaching me the law and shit. You feel me? And these, it's like, that's crazy. Like, I had to know these things to navigate. You feel what I'm saying? So it's like, as I'm going, as I'm developing this shit, it's like, I'm seeing these different, these three veins. Now, like I said, the sexual vein wasn't the the vein that was like, yo, they was encouraging state, but it's like, yo, you're being hyped up. Yo, you're the motherfucking man. I started fucking multiple chicks and shit like that. And it's like, it got crazy. It got crazy. Ultimately, till it led to the 200th episode. You feel me? Till it led to the 200th. And I encourage you to listen to that episode. Like, you feel what I'm saying? I didn't do anything wrong. But then it goes into what I'm saying is the final level of where the school to prison pipeline leads. Because either you're going to be, you're going to be a felon. It's going to create a felon out of you in some way, shape, or form. Are you going to be the motherfucker who's catching the drug offenses? Catches the Rico. Now, look, when we look at the hierarchies of of these things, I'm going to now skip all the way to the top level. I'm not even going to deal with the bottom levels and shit no more. Well, I'm going to deal with the mid levels first and then I'm going to go to the top levels. So 
when we look at the drug offenses, okay, yeah, you're going to be the felony, you know, habitual felon or whatever the case may be. You keep getting your drug charges and shit. That's just the basic level. Because that's just, you know, you get caught with petty shit. Like, you feel me? A few rocks on you or whatever. You feel me? Violent crimes, you get manslaughters and, you know what I'm saying, aggravated assaults. Like, I know a couple of niggas with those. You feel me? It's like, yo, it's like, eh, it is what it is. You feel me? Now, the sexual side is like, you get, you know, what ultimately happened to me was my charge the, from what it started at, it eventually got dropped down to contributing to delinquency, right? That was a common thing. You feel me? Contributing to a delinquency was, you know, you got caught fucking. Like, really, like, you can literally, like, and this is what a lot of people don't understand about the sexual charge side of it. You can be registered as a sexual offender just for being fucking or just for doing some indecent shit. Like, literally, you can get, if you can get, you can get arrested for flashing your dick or whatever the case may be, and you can be labeled as a sexual offender. People automatically assume that if you're labeled as a sexual offender, you become the rapist. Like It's like, oh, you raped somebody, no? I'm a sexual offender because of this particular action. You feel me? I would have been labeled as that had the charge have been higher. You feel what I'm saying? It had been a little bit higher, but because I was contributing to delinquency, it was just, I had sex with somebody. That's what it was. And it got removed off of my record because it was my first time being in trouble or whatever the case may be. And I was able to get um, a PJC, which is prayer for judgment continuance. And, you know, all I had to do was commit. Uh, all I had to do was con complete my community service, 50 hours of that, and then stay out of trouble. And I got it done. Then I was able to get my record expunged. Right. So that's the level. Right. Those are some of the levels, the basic levels. But then when it actually goes into where we now push higher. It's now this pipeline is so real that we have gotten so enthralled in and so deep into it that it still has higher levels to it. You get the murder ones, you get the capital ones, you get the motherfuckers like, yo, you you caught a body. It's 25 to life. You feel me? You actually went that. This is what I was talking about. Rape culture. Rape culture is being so strong and so influenced that it's and then it's influenced by the music. You feel me? Rick Ross is on a song saying, put a pill in a drink, Shane ain't know it. Nigga. No. What kind of shit is that? We have motherfuckers who are popping pills and getting women drunk and having, you know what I'm saying? It's like that consent shit is like, well, she wanted it. That's why it's like consent is so tricky. And it's like, it's dangerous because it's like at any given moment, the woman says, no, you got to stop. Once you go beyond that, you win it. And I get it. You can argue, well, it was consensual up until that point. She wanted this, but the moment that she no longer wanted, you have to stop. That's the only thing that saved my life. That's the only thing that stayed in my life. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't on no, hold up, I'm almost done. Or, nah, just let me, nah, it was like, as soon as she was like, yo, something ain't right, stop, I'm out. What's up? What's going on? And that's what saved me when it was time for me to go to, but everybody doesn't get that. Because like I said, it's, it's the pipeline. Some motherfuckers were like, once you in the moment, it's hard to think. It's hard to actually have that discipline to pull yourself out because we're not taught the sexual discipline. We're just taught to be fucking. You feel me? So when the violent side gets to that point, we're not taught how to be violent and when to be violent or even what to fight for. So we end up catching these murder charges because it's like, yo, you didn't have to kill that nigga, bro. You ain't had to kill that nigga, bro. That's one of the reasons why I had to leave certain situations. That's how I would kill me a motherfucker, yo. I felt it. I felt it. I felt the way that I looked at niggas. I felt the way that motherfuckers would bump me or I would bump them. I'd be like, nah, I'll burn your motherfucking ass, bro. I will kill you. I felt that shit. You feel me? I just wasn't a drug dealer. But then the highest level of drug dealer, you catch your Rico's, your kingpin shit. You feel me? 
your kingpin shit. For each one of these situations, you feel me? I know somebody who's has a charge for one of these. For one of the, the veins of the scooter prison pipeline. And then you have the statistic that only one out of three black men are not going to go to prison, right? That means out of the three, we all, me and my three compadres, we all went to jail. We didn't, that we didn't even get a chance to make the statistic right or to, to nullify it. Now, I didn't, my charges didn't stick. Theirs did. You know what I'm saying? Inevitably. So I technically counted that one in three. But at the same time, we all went to jail. We all got arrested. You feel me? For them, it was drug charges. For me, it was a sexual charge. You feel me? But I also got homies who are in there right now. Again, those top tier levels, Rico and the, the Kingpin shit, 25 to life. You feel what I'm saying? Motherfucking um, murder, 25 to life. Rape, 25 to life. I know somebody in there right now. I got a homie in there right now for 25 for being a Kingpin. I don't, I personally don't feel like he was a kingpin because he wasn't on no ghost type shit. You feel me? Or no shit like that. But he was, he was up there and he got caught. You know what I'm saying? He had a mean run. Had a mean run. He had been, he had been doing shit since he was a kid, kid. Like single digit ages. Like that's how young he was doing it. You feel what I'm saying? So by the time he was a teenager, he wasn't getting, like he already knew how to maneuver. He got caught because, you know what I'm saying? He got caught. You feel me? But, he had to do that time. He's in there right now still. You feel me? I got a homie. Um, I don't know if it, it couldn't have stuck because I just seen him out on social media, but he just caught a body. You feel me? Just caught a body. Like, you know what I'm saying? I I got homies and that I like, yo, damn, bro, you really did have the pot. Like, you really killed that nigga, bro. It's different. You feel me? I would have been the one. Had that charge of stuck of what it originally was, I would have been the motherfucker up there for the rape. You feel me? And it wasn't rape. I didn't rape anybody. But that's what I was initially charged with. Luckily, I was able to get a lawyer. This is where now we tie into a whole nother point. Because now when we look at the actual court-appointed shit, when I look at the people that got my homies that wore the charges, they couldn't afford lawyers. So they had to take a court-appointed lawyer. The court-appointed lawyer is always going to plead for you. They're always going to say plea bargain guilty. You're, when you do a plea bargain guilty, you are accepting the charge. Period. You think you can, oh, my, my lawyer said do this. Yes, because your lawyer don't give a fuck about you because they court-appointed. I was fortunate enough that my mama was able to afford a lawyer for me, and we fought it. And when we fought it, my lawyer dug deep into where it got reduced. These motherfuckers, if I would not have gotten a lawyer... The charge that they had, how they originally wrote that bitch was that I had, um, it started off saying that I had raped a mentally retarded girl. These niggas was really going to get me. And I was like, I ain't raped no mentally retarded girl. Like, what the fuck wrong with y'all? Like, you feel what I'm saying? But once my lawyer stepped in, they got the charge. Like, they found out what happened. It was consensual sex. Everything broke down. They got all of the witness statements and everything. And eventually led to me getting, uh, contributing to delinquency. You feel me? Because ultimately she was still too young. I can't, I'm, I can't deny that shit. Like, I can't deny that at all. But it was, you know, Fort North Carolina was said in North Carolina is four years of statutory rape. Me and her were three years and nine months apart. So that's why it eventually got reduced down to contributing to delinquency because we both it's the yeah, it was consensual sex. And then when they went foul, I got up. It's like, no, 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 something ain't right. She was like, something ain't right, stop. I said, okay, I'm out. You feel me? 
But I'm saying that to show the power of the school to prison pipeline, it creates one of these three realities. So now, when the lines start blurring and when everything comes in, is when these things all mesh together. When you have the motherfucker who is simultaneously or equally invested in the path that is leads to the to the through the drug side, the path that leads to the violent side, and the path that leads to this through the um sex side. You get the violent rapists. Most of these motherfuckers are they, they fucked up in the head. They be on a pill, on some per like all of that shit is dangerous. This is why I tell motherfuckers, yo, y'all gotta stop having sex with inebriated minds. I get it, you know, oh, he off that henny dick, or I get it, you pop a perk and I'm hard like for no, nigga, y'all gotta start being sober when you having sex, bro. Y'all gotta start being sober, period. All of these drugs are taking your inhibitions away, which make you do the stupid shit. Where does they design the traps? We think trapping is just selling drugs. Nah, it's all a trap. Being a ladies' man is a trap. Being a violent motherfucker is a trap when you don't know how to play this game. I was cool up until that point. Like I was fucked. Like, man, that's why I say I, I don't even I don't even know how many women I've had sex with in my life. I stopped counting. But that was my vein. That was the pipeline that I was pushed down. You feel me? When you look at my palate, even looking like well, even still to this day, I still listen to a lot of sex music. You feel me? I was the motherfucker who was always listening to sex music. I remember like every time I I would always listen to music when I had sex, but I had like the pretty Ricky albums, motherfucking like that was that was me. You feel me? I was that type of motherfucker. When I look at the music that my homies listen to, you know, our overlap, of course, was G Unit and that gang that gangster shit, gang G like gang banging music and all that shit. We listened to that and then that was our overlap of where our music palettes collided. But then it's like they listen to trap music. I can never get into trap music. I don't like it. I don't like it. Like my brother was like, yo, how you don't listen to Jeezy and Gucci like that? And shit, I'm like, they rap too slow for me, bro. And they don't be talking about shit that I really want to hear. But when motherfuckers had like like the gangster shit, like I shoot you, kill you, blah, blah, blah. Like I still battle rap. I still watch battle rap right now because of that very reason. Even though it's very low vibrational, it's like, but it's like the way in which they put together how they gonna kill a nigga. It's like, nigga, that was crafty. That was fucking crafty. Like, you feel me? One of my favorite battle rappers at the uh in a in the time right now. Um, I got two of my two top my top two pens are Daylight and uh Rum Nitty. But Daylight got a bar where he's like, yo, if I chase a nigga, glock break a nigga, funeral home, um, box wake a nigga, you get the open hand, the fist of the deuce, rock, paper, scissors. That was crafty as shit. He gave like, you feel me? But he killed them off. It's like he's telling like, so I was still in that vein. You feel me? Rum Nitty got another one. He was talking, he was battling Sue Surf. He was like, um, he was like, they gonna have to bring souvenirs back. He gonna remember this shit. It was a crazy bar. Like, he was like, he said he gonna punch his teeth out. So he was like, they gonna have to bring souvenirs back. And it's like, he gonna remember this shit. It's like, yo, then you remember your trip, you bring souvenirs. You feel me? I like shit like that. But the actual drug music, I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't like selling because I didn't, I didn't get to sell drugs. <laughs> I didn't get to be involved in that. So I don't know shit about, you know, the full process of it. You feel me? But I like the violent side. I was a part of the violent pathway and I was a part of the sexual pathway. Those pipelines. You feel me? It's by design, y'all. Like they designed this to work well so that way they can disproportionately add us to the prison system. We're going to fuck up and go down one of these routes. You feel me? 
most of the motherfuckers who succumb to the, who are in the, the sexual vein, they end up going to college and they're getting fucked up. They get fucked up in the college level. Go to a party, get drunk or some shit like that. They got a scholarship and all of this other shit. Then boom, there you go. They necessarily weren't the violent motherfuckers. They necessarily wasn't the, the motherfuckers. That, they became the drug. They became the ladies, man. I got to have all of these girls, bro. I got to have all of these girls. And these three pockets, these three pockets, when we, and also tying into the entertainment, this is the reason why they have music based off of this. So when they justify the shit, or they come out and say it, it's like, that makes sense. Cause we know y'all are like this. We know y'all are like this. When Chris Brown brought his masters back, what did they say he did? Oh, you committed sexual assault with the white girl. Niggas can believe it. You know why? What's his catalog about? You feel me? You feel me? A lot of us grew up on art. Like R. Kelly only has one song that's really not about sex. And that's I Believe I Can Fly. Think about the rest of his fucking catalog. And a lot of us grew up on R. Kelly. You feel me? And what is R. Kelly? Pedophile. You feel me? Sexual deviant. You feel what I'm saying? And a lot of us grew up on that nigga. Like, we don't understand. Not only is the music itself having an energy with it, the intentions of this person writing this music, it their their intentions transmute through the damn through the through the airways. When Jeezy says, if you ain't trapping, kill yourself, trap or die, nigga. Thug motivation one-on-one. And everything is about I'm selling crack, I'm selling crack, I'm selling crack, I'm selling crack. And he came from a person who was actually selling crap. Gucci too. Selling crap, selling crap, selling crap. Little Wayne selling crap, selling crap. You're hearing this shit and you're internalizing it. Wayne happened to be the motherfucker. When you look at the pine, the people that have that quote unquote hit superstardom, they're able to hit all levels. You feel me? If you look at Gucci, Gucci just rapped about trap shit. You feel me? Selling drugs and shit. Had a little bit of the violence in it, but that's mainly what it was. You feel me? GZ2, when you look at the motherfucking, the Plies. Plies may have rapped about drugs a little bit and being hood and shit. A little bit of the violence, but what's Plies lane? Mainly the sexual side. You feel me? Busted babies and all of this shit. Look at that shit. When you look at motherfucker, um, when you look at Wayne, Wayne transcended all, all three. All three of the lanes. He had music about drugs, equal music about drugs. He had equal music about uh uh the murder side and then equal music about fucking and you know what I'm saying? The pussy monster and fucking prostitute flame, Mrs. Officer, uh motherfucking hustler music, um, money on my mind, fucking dedicate like that's why he reached what he was, and that's why they pushed him so much. He got that line on God did where he's like, yo, I influenced an entire culture. He's like, yo, what up, twin? Face tat. He said, what he said, dreads in the face tat. What up, twin? Because all of these niggas are little Wayne now. You feel me? Sipping lean and all this shit. But he he did all. He he covered all bases. All bases when it came to the three paths of this uh, this pipeline. So the music is always there. You feel me? When you look at a motherfucker like Tupac, they're like, no. Because while Tupac covered all the lanes, when you think about it, Tupac covered all the lanes, but he had a positive message. That's where the danger came in. Because even though Tupac was, you know, um, he ain't really, well, he did talk about drugs, but he would flip it. He said, and it felt like, for example, in Dear Mama, it feels, even though I sold rocks, it feels good putting money in your mailbox. Ooh, Dear Mama transcends time. You feel me? How do you want it? 
You feel me? That's the sex side. That's the, you know what I'm saying? That's, they picked it. The violent side, bomb first, hit him up. Like, you feel me? He covered all spectrums, but Tupac had a positive message because what he was saying was, we still got to remember to be pro-black. We still got to remember to have knowledge of self. We still got to remember to love each other and put ourselves first. You feel me? But that's why they took over the music. When they took over the music and shit, what happened was, in taking over the music, it kind of solidified the entire reality of everything that was going to happen. It was, okay, this is stuck now. We're going to solidify these pathways. So now when you do sell the drugs, okay, bam, we got this prison pipeline. If you pick up this music palette, bam, this is the pipeline you're going to go down. When you pick up this music palette, this is the pipeline you're going to go down. And this is the one you're going to go down. You feel me? Pay attention to the way a motherfucker's music is and you'll see the type of criminal he could have been. Or you'll see the type of criminal he is if he or he will be if he ever gets caught. Or if he ever does something criminalistic that's worthy of him getting arrested. You feel me? But it's all predicated on when we were kids. The little shit that we were not able to truly have acknowledged and expressed to us. Growing up in poverty, watching niggas get this money fast without, they don't got to get jobs. They don't have to do this. I want that. I don't, I have a problem with poverty. I don't want to stay in poverty. I want to get this money too. So I'm a trap. You feel me? Oh, I'm a fight fight, but I don't even know what I'm fighting for. So I'm going to be violent with no discretion, developing to the barbarian who can ultimately become a killer. You feel me? I'm going to be the little motherfucker who humps and, and you know, dances and, and likes to, you know, grind on women and shit and being kissing on women and liking all of that. Like, you feel me? Like little shit is like you start to see that and develop that. And then it develops into what I become. You know what I'm saying? Sexual offender. Low key. Depending on especially what I'm involved with, who's like what I'm involved with, what I'm exposed to at such a young age. These pipelines are already set in motion. And these pipelines are designed to work. And these pipelines, once they merge with the music that sets the tone for each one of these lanes to enhance themselves, if the motherfucker gets caught doing the shit or they, they go down the wrong path without the understanding, they're going to get arrested for one of these three things. And that's in the prison system. They all have vested interest in the music industry because they know the potency of music. Niggas don't know the potency of music, but they now put promoting all of this music to catalyze their people into doing stupid shit. Now what is the music doing? The music is making junkies. This is the new vein for the for the for the um for the drug side. Cuz so not only will you get arrested for having the possession of the drugs, but now you're using it to dilute your mind. We're not really worried about if you're selling it anymore cuz you're using it. That's your 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 level of destruction. You feel me? You're still going to be violent. You still me? We still got the motherfuckers that's like, we got that what's the new song Billy Eilish? Niggas just really talk about, you know, or hit them with the blicky. Like, these, my bad, these songs are on TikTok and shit. But these niggas really ain't even gangsters no more. Just, it's just the palette of making the music about killing and shit. It's so real. Because the real motherfuckers is really doing the shit. They getting, they getting hit. They getting hit differently. You feel me? Think about it. It's a whole pop song. Hit you with the blicky. Niggas know what a blicky is? It's a pistol. Like, you got to shoot the motherfucker. Like, you can't just dance to that shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? My Glock talk, big talk, Billy Eilish. Like, this shit don't even make sense. Niggas just be saying shit now. But when you look at the pop smokes, you feel me? When you look at the motherfuckers, the Nipsey Hustles, the, the people that were actually really in the game and really in the trenches and shit, you start to see a different side. But ultimately, this is the reality. It's like, yo, we all, this is what 
the integration, the assimilation, the culture development is in how the criminal mind is set. And it's, it's the prisons are built by third grade test scores. And now do you see how easy it is to segue the line down there? You feel me? The criminal, the criminal mind isn't something that we're inherently, we inherently are, but they know like, so like I said, when you, the criminal mind isn't something that we inherently are, it's what we become. But then when you know that, what are the biggest, we make up most of the prison population, but look at the charges that we make up. Drug charges, murder charges, drug charges, murder charges, and sex charges. Those are the three charges that we in there for. Those are the three charges that we in there for. And when you look at the environment that we're in, this is predicated upon exactly what it is that they wanted to be. Because now, when I know that this system needs to work, now I know I can make it work. The judicial system is designed for all of this. You feel me? Everything strategically is set up a certain way to make a certain thing move a certain way. I promise you. I promise you. And so when you look at the music, when you look at like this, why like everybody, you know, Niggas be like, yo, why did the cop pull me over? Because, my nigga, you're driving a Crown Vic and you're playing trap music. The fuck? That's that vein. That's what it creates. That's what, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? When you listening to this rider music and shit, you going to the club bumping, uh, I ain't never scared and shit, so I'm outside of the club. And we wonder why we tear the club up when the shit's over with and motherfuckers get shot at and shit. Why we can't never have nothing good because we are, we, you gotta have the, you got the music popping like that. That's why. And then when you look at the sexual motherfucker, like that's the side I feel like we need to spend a little bit more time with too. Because we can easily put the violent motherfucker in the sports and say channel that shit. We can easily help the motherfucker find entrepreneurship and get a job. But it's a sexual motherfucker that's like, no, nobody want to talk about that shit because the adults don't want to talk about sex with the younger kids because they're too young to be having it, so they speak. But when you're too young to be having it, you're going to go figure out the fucking answer. I say it all the time. The moment your child has a question about it, you need to be answering or they're going to find that question. Never tell your child they're too, too young to know something that they're presenting to you. You feel me? We got to cut that shit out because we help contribute to the school to prison pipeline. Because now we send them to the school. They're around these motherfuckers who are raped. These children are raising themselves. They're getting advice from other peers about certain shit that they're exposed to. And they're formulating whatever opinions that they're formulating based off of themselves. And they don't know the severity or the depths of what it is that they're really speaking on, what they're really doing. But that doesn't absolve them of the severity that is to come by picking a lane that develops into the criminal that they shall become if they act on the criminalistic mentality that is programmed within them through the school to prison pipeline. And don't forget to check out Cafe Clothing. Formerly Just Seen's merch, get all of your intricate designs crafted specifically for the melanated being to develop a positive imagery within self and to have a little bit of fun in the process. From the peace, love, knowledge, and freedom to the dead horses and water designs, all the styles are crafted for the imagery to make you feel as you're supposed to feel. Because as I always say, the best way to fit in is to stand out. And what better way to stand out than with your exclusive styles of Polycafe clothing? All right, I'm going to go ahead and edit there. I felt like this episode really needed to be had because niggas ain't talking about this shit, bro. Y'all, we, yeah, we out here talking about, you know what I'm saying, going half, bro. Nigga, we got to survive. We in the middle of a war zone. Y'all motherfuckers are stupid. Talking about the wrong shit. 
We need to understand what this government, what this, this, these, these motherfuckers are targeting us for and how they're targeting, targeting us. They're literally creating what they want out of us. You feel me? You wonder why, like, why can't this particular rapper get, get this kind of clout? Why can't this particular rapper? Why? Cause that's not going to promote the shit. You feel me? You're not going to get any motherfuckers who can actually tell you some shit of substance that you're going to listen to because you're not going to listen to it. You know why? Because your palate is already set up for one of these criminalistic pathways. Niggas don't like conscious music because it make them think. You feel me? My sister once told me, she was like, she said, the reason why people fuck with music like yours or when you rap or, you know what I'm saying, is because you know how to embody all three of these points. She didn't say all three of these points, but like this is the gist of what what explains you like because you know how to speak on your background where you come from and then speak as that. You feel me? So it's like when you you can feel that shit. You feel me? But it's like this is where we at. Like everybody selling drugs. Everybody like like people don't even know how set up some of this shit is, bro. Like nobody just pops up out of nowhere. People have been involved in certain shit. They're pushing like for example, Offset. What's his name? Yeah, Offset. I'll say, yeah, he been in the music industry and motherfuckers think like he was like, no, he was in one of Whitney Houston music videos. Like these niggas is handpicked. These motherfuckers is, is, is crafted to, yo, you got the appeal to promote what we need you to promote. So when the time comes for whatever it is to act like, bam, you got the music already programmed within you to make you act a certain way. Everybody keep trying to say, you can't blame the music. The music ain't got nothing to do. It got everything to do with it because that's what's wiring your unconscious mind to make you act a certain way. You feel me? That shit's that shit's that shit's problematic. And what we really have to start doing and what we gotta begin to do is address all of these points from with our sons, with our boys early. You feel me? We know they're gonna wanna get money. All right, so damn, do we have a do we have something in position to say, hey, here's a legal way for you to get money right now, so you don't have to worry about trapping, you don't have to worry about this shit. That nullifies that. Poverty is painful, y'all. A child not being able to get their first job until they're 16, but still needing income, that's not gonna cut it. They're gonna figure it out. They're gonna figure it out and they're gonna try to sell some shit. You feel me? They can't sell no shit in the house. You feel me? So they're going to find a way to try to sell some shit so they can get some extra bread. Because poverty is painful. The motherfucking violent motherfucker is either going to try to assert itself in the streets in some way, shape, or form. Because respect is to men what love is to women. He's going to try to get himself to where, hey, these niggas going to respect me and I'm got to become more violent to get respected. Because all of these dynamics, at the end of the day, they lead to the respect that we're trying to get. Motherfuckers are talking about these boys is wild in the streets because they want to be loved. No, we want to be respected. And how do you get respected? Through money and power. You feel me? Money, power, and bitches. Literally, that's the equation. That's what everybody screams. You get the money, the power, then the hoes come next. You feel me? So then if I got the hoes, I got a sign of power. You feel me? It's all in how you're going to get it. You know what I'm saying? It's all in how you're going to get it when you're going to get it. But that's what you're trying to get respect as a man. The very thing we fight for, for respect, because respect has to be earned and it's not defaulted to us. We are moving into veins, into lanes of which 
the respect that we have to get, have to gain. The other side of that is prison, the way in which we are able to gain that respect. It's wild, ain't it? It's wild, ain't it? Unless we're respected, you know, from that perspective of, okay, rather than going down a criminal route of being violent, I'm going to go play sports. Okay, cool. I'm going to get respected for that. I'm going to be a ladies' man, so I'm going to get like, niggas, anybody's going to respect the man who got hoes. Even hoes respect the man who got hoes. And I'm using hoes for dramatic effect. You feel me? When I was out here, like, that's why my body count was so high, because the hoes wanted me because I had hoes. When I didn't have any more girls and shit, and it was like, it was different, like, shooting shots was, you know what I mean? It was all, you ain't got no girls, so. There's nobody showing you attention. When motherfuckers are showing attention, like, yo, fucking, it's crazy. And this is one of the reasons I'm like, I can't show my face on social media while I was building my brands because I was like, no. Because I would watch how the women would pay attention to my posts and shit, and it would be all competitive shit. They didn't even know what they was doing. Oh, girl, he's this. Like, they'll be in my DMs because this person is like, they will be in my DMs, right? But they'll be watching my comments. Who this bitch? Who that bitch? Why you worried about it? You feel me? That's a part of this reality. You feel me? The motherfucker who's getting money is a drug dealer. Or it's like, you a drug dealer up until you're able to start working legally. Then that's when you decide. But it's like, if you're already in the game and shit, what do women want? They want these motherfuckers that can blow thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 and shit. And I can go make it back. Like, you feel me? Like, you can run up a bag easy. They like the dope boys because of that. They don't even, people don't, like, a lot of motherfuckers be thinking it's because he's a dope boy. No, it's the entrepreneur spirit that she likes in him. He can get money. The fuck? Now you just got to figure out how to do that shit legally. You feel me? We got to get respect. And our respect is on the other side of one of these three things. Because that's how the society has designed it for us to get respect. Because when we look at the rappers telling the stories, when we look at the the, the people that are like, look at the backgrounds of where they came from. Man, I came from a hard time. Or whatever, they tell you these stories. And that's what you want to emulate. You feel me? Or that's what you think you can emulate based off of you know your 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 reality. But... At the end of the day, we ain't got no control over the shit because it's all tied to the scooter prison pipeline. And then being tied to the scooter prison pipeline, it makes it a reality. And you're going to go down one of these veins. So when that statistic shows that one in three black boys will go to jail, now you see where we got a, we got a reference point to start from. We can't just, we, we got it. What we got to stop doing is start, stop quoting statistics and stop saying, okay, here's the problem. Okay, here's the root. Fuck the problem. We need the root. Here's the route. Now we address it. We need some somewhere to address these pivotal points. The criminal isn't inherently born. It is created in a school system. So either you're going to educate your children yourself and stop sending them to the schools, but you will have to put yourself in position to be able to stay home with them. And it's a lot of things that have to go into it. They know what the fuck they doing. You're going to be institutionalized in some way, shape or form. You feel me? You don't find it odd that when people go to like most of the sexual cases and shit happen between the time when motherfuckers is delayed response. Most of them is between high school and college and time after that, they can make it. You know what I'm saying? But then when you look at most of the the drugs and um the drugs and the violence is between middle school and high school. You do what I'm saying? All of this shit is set in motion. And then when we look at how slavery played out, about how, you know what I'm saying, the breeding farms and like this shit has been in motion for a long fucking time, y'all. A long time. Y'all just got to, we got to be able to see it so we can break this shit and we can pivot from it successfully. Otherwise, we doomed to repeat this shit over 
and over and over and over again. And then we're still going to say, oh, why are they targeting black men? They're targeting black men because they know where the target is. They set the target up and they know how to shoot it down. Feel me? So now when you put these three things into reality, it's like when we die in the streets, this is why you can, this is why Mike Brown could be, could be, oh, he stole something from the store. It's technically a violent shit. You took something from somebody. Oh, Trayvon Martin had a hoodie on. Okay, cool. More violent material, more violent activity. I feared for my life because we already created the reality that's going to make you fear, make us fear you on paper. We don't really fear you. We don't give a fuck, but we're going to create the reality that makes it look like we feared you. We're going to make every, we're going to create it so that everybody else, the propaganda makes everybody else feel like we fear you too. And it's going to justify it. Whether we fear you or fucking not. You feel me? Shit different. But I'm going to go ahead and end it there. Go kiss your babies. Make sure they eat their vegetables. And our sons, this episode was about them. Take heed to what the fuck I'm saying. Take heed to what the fuck I'm saying. These are the conversations we need to be having. We, we can't do shit about our peers. We can't do shit about the elders. Only thing, if we want to change this world for our, our, for our future, we got to start with our boys. Because by proxy, if we start with our boys, our boys will have a better relationship with the women. The women are going to fall in line. The women are going to fall in line since they want to submit any motherfucking way. You feel me? But we got to prevent our boys from going down one of these paths. Because this is one of the paths they're going to go down. Some way, shape, or form. The, crim the criminal is created. And if we are not careful, our boys are going to go down one of these routes. Even from the drug perspective, add in alcohol to that. Because alcohol is a drug. You feel me? But this is what I'm saying. All of that shit ties in. If we really want our boys to be successful and to, to navigate and dodge this shit, we got to teach them all aspects of what these the, these three um veins of the pipeline are. Especially when it comes to the sex side, we got to stop being afraid to talk to our boys about sex. You'll know when you get a little bit older. No, nigga, they humping at three, nigga. They already know what's up. You just got to learn how to articulate it to them. Let them get six or whatever the case may be. They already know. They spend all that time on their motherfucking tablet. They be on TikTok. They be all, all kind of shit. You know how you know what the, the the for you page is like. You know how many ad, how much ass and titty just pops up. How many names pop up that you can actually go search and look at shit, bruh. Shit different. All you gotta do is go to a page, click a link in the motherfucking bio. The rest is history. The access ain't what it was for us, where it was a little bit more limited. You feel me? Where you had to wait until somebody was gone from home or you had to pop a tape in or shit. No, nigga. You just got to click a link in the motherfucking bio. Protect them. But you protect them by teaching them, by guiding them, by showing them how to protect themselves. I put that in the rites of passage in Soul Frail 3. You have to learn how to protect and provide for yourself and you have to teach your children how to protect and provide as you would protect and provide for them. Especially our boys. They need to know all three of these motherfucking veins and they need to know how to navigate them and prevent themselves from going down them. It can't just be the drug side. It can't just be the uh, the, the violent side. It has to be the sexual side too because we need to have discipline in all of these things. We're not disciplined enough to be any of these things that we're actually, we're not, we don't have the discipline enough because discipline, to be disciplined, you have to have knowledge on shit. We don't, we're not disciplined enough to allow ourselves to avoid these traps, to, to, 
make sure, ensure that we are avoiding these traps. So we fall to them. Some way, shape, or form. We can't let our boys fall to these shits anymore. We're in a fucking war, y'all. We're in a fucking war and we're losing. We got to change this shit. But I'm going to go ahead and end it there. Go kiss your babies. Make sure they eat their vegetables. And I'm going to see y'all all on the next one. Peace, love, knowledge, and freedom. I'm out.